I want to tell you something that I have kept quiet for a long time, something that will probably embarrass my children. I am a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. That is not the response I expected, but I'll take it. Now, I admit that these days when I watch reruns of the show, it doesn't always hold up. Elizabeth has pointed out that romantic relationships are not Star Trek's specialty, go figure. But I grew up, I grew up loving nothing more than spending Monday night next to my father on the couch as the crew of the Enterprise explored the galaxy in each new episode. On Monday night, March 26th, 1990, the episode Allegiance debuted. In the first scene, Captain Picard is kidnapped from his quarters and replaced by an imposter. The real Picard wakes up in a holding cell surrounded by a handful of other prisoners. As the episode progresses, the audience watches as the group of prisoners, each of whom comes from a different alien species, encounters one problem after another. One of the prisoners from a naturally aggressive species discovers that he is unable to eat the food that is provided by their captors. Another, who belongs to a race of avowed pacifists, begins to think that he might be killed for food. Some in the group want to try to escape, others refuse to cooperate. In one scenario after another, Picard and the captives get tantalizingly close to opening their cell door, only to discover another barrier waiting for them, another task they have to solve. Eventually, Picard realizes that it's all just a game, that there's no way to escape. Their captors have brought them there to test them to observe how different species will handle one agonizing setback after another. And once Picard realizes that they're just rats in a maze, he refuses to participate. And the species keeping them captive and running the experiment sends him back to his vessel. I first saw that episode when I was nine years old. But when a rerun came on a few months ago, I discovered that I now appreciate it in a whole new way. As a parent, priest, and spouse, I often feel like I'm in the midst of a sociological experiment <laughs> being tested to see if I can solve an unsolvable situation. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like life is just one big game in which you don't quite have everything you need to win? If you just had a little bit more time or a little bit more money, you could get ahead. If you were just a little bit faster, a little bit smarter, a little bit luckier, then things would really start to go your way. Sometimes it feels like life is just one unsolvable problem after another, and religion, with its unrelenting invitation to try harder, become holier, be better, has the power to make things even worse. But on Easter Day, today, we gather to celebrate that because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, there is no situation in front of us that God has not solved. 
And whenever we encounter one of those seemingly unsolvable situations, we can trust that God has already given us everything we need. Early on that first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, and as she drew close, she could see that the stone had been removed, so she turned and ran. She didn't bother to look inside the tomb. She didn't look around the garden to see what was around the tomb. Instead, she ran because she knew without a doubt that someone had stolen Jesus' dead body. When she told Peter and the other disciples, they ran to see it for themselves. This time, they looked in. They went into the tomb. They explored every inch of that tomb. They saw the grave cloths lying on the ground, the face cloth rolled up carefully by itself. They knew the tomb was empty, but still they didn't understand. They could not see that Jesus had been raised from the dead, so they went back home. Mary stayed there weeping, overcome with sorrow that not only had Jesus been killed, but they had even taken his body away, leaving her with grief upon grief. Even when Jesus came and spoke to her, until he spoke her name, she thought he was the gardener. I think it's hard for us to appreciate how impossible it was for them to make sense of what was around them. We woke up this morning knowing that Jesus had been raised from the dead. But 2,000 years ago, without the benefit of that received testimony, there was nothing that Mary and the other disciples could do to put the pieces together and discover that what Jesus had already told them, what he had promised them, had come true. Not even that empty tomb was enough for them to recognize that Jesus was alive, that he had triumphed over death exactly as he had said he would. The gap between us and those problems that seem so hard to solve might be only as thin as a strand of human hair, but for us, it might as well be an infinite chasm. And yet, standing on the other side of that chasm is the risen Jesus, who looks across at us and calls out our name. Mary, he said. As soon as Mary heard Jesus speak her name, her doubt and confusion, her grief and disbelief, it all evaporated. She had seen the Lord, and Jesus sent her to the disciples so that they could start their work of carrying the good news of the risen Christ to everyone they met. Everything that had been missing, all that they needed, everything that wasn't clear suddenly made sense. They couldn't find it on their own, even when it was standing right in front of them. But the risen Lord came and found them and gave them everything they needed. Our job isn't to figure it out on our own. Our job is simply to meet the risen Lord. In the decades that followed that Easter day, the apostles didn't travel around the Mediterranean teaching people that they should love their neighbors as themselves, giving them more holy but impossible work to do. The world didn't need Jesus to teach them that. 
That truth is as ancient as civilization itself. Instead, the apostles took with them the good news that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead because it is that victory over death that makes loving our neighbors the way God wants us to possible. It is the risen Christ who gives us and the world everything we need to make that loving reign a reality. I know that love is the answer, and I bet you do too. I know that selfless, sacrificial love is what it takes for the world to become the place of God's dreams. I know that love is how poverty and hunger are put to death. Love is how violence and greed are finally defeated. Love is how hatred, bigotry, and jealousy are wiped off the face of the earth. And love is how I finally become a better priest, a better parent, and a better spouse. But I also know that there's nothing I can do to solve those problems on my own. Trust me, I've tried. None of us can. Like rats stuck in a maze, just as soon as we think we're making progress, human nature pops up and we're right back where we started. If it were up to us, We'd be doomed from the start, but the good news of Easter is that it isn't up to us at all. I don't come to church because I want to be a better person. And I'm not raising my family in the faith because I hope that they will learn how to treat other people with respect. We come to church because this is the place where we proclaim that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. This is the place where death becomes life, where loss becomes gain, where love triumphs over all. And that truth alone has the power to change our lives. We are here today to meet the one whom God has raised from the dead. We are here to hear him speak our name. We are here to partake in his body and blood. We are here to see that in him, God has already defeated everything that stands in the way of love taking charge in the world. We are here to let the risen Christ meet us and show us that he has given us everything we need. Thanks be to God. Amen.